We're in August, and it's time for Yak Sports Podcast to talk about whatever sports we can talk about. <laughs> uh, Joe Deck is with me. I am Leela McRae, and we will talk VHSL alignment with Patrick Height in the B Block. But, Joe, let's talk about the biggest news that happened, and it's going to roll right into some, um, some obvious conversation here. But Virginia Tech star player Caleb Farley, he's opting out of playing this season because he had issues with the uh, safety uh, of the program and him playing college football. And, and at the point of the announcement, we, we kind of accepted that. There was logic to it. He's, he's destined to play in the NFL. He's going to be a first-round draft pick, something that Tech hasn't had a lot of recently. So, I, you know, my reaction to him making that decision was, you got to do what's best for you. I'm very disappointed that I don't get to see him in a hooky uniform anymore. But at a time like this where I don't really think the college players, any of them, should be playing, I can't, I can't fault a guy for making that choice for himself. Today, the big, the latest news on that was he he had an interview and he talked about how he didn't feel the safety protocols were being carried out properly at Virginia Tech, and that played a big part in his decision. And so that was big news this morning. Virginia Tech has done their best to to catch up to the news today and put out some statements later in the day, including one from Coach Fuente. But the bottom line is, star player on Virginia Tech is not playing football for the team this fall if if it's played. Uh, he'll be missing an action because he didn't feel safe around the program. And it seems that there must have been some kind of disconnect for him to be able to voice that concern to the leadership of the football team and that either be heard or or be or if he felt welcome to provide that that word. So I, I think this is a huge story for Virginia Tech. I know it's being downplayed by some on Twitter, but other people are running with it. I, I think that's the proper move. I think this shows I don't even call them cracks in the foundation anymore. These are just chasms in our foundation where communication, leadership, it doesn't seem to be what it's supposed to be. And it's just not a healthy environment down there. You know, literally, if if no one's wearing masks ever and it's causing players to feel that they are unsafe, that's not healthy. But then also just the dynamic of the team atmosphere and the coach and the player, it's, it just doesn't seem like what it should be down there, and it seems a mile away from what it used to be. And you see Andy McFarling even uh, with the Roanoke Times, uh, even after the statements have come out, talking about just the silence on certain things and the lack of transparency from the program. Yes. And I think that's the most upsetting part. Um, look, I, personally, I think any college athletic department that doesn't have a generic COVID-19 statement draft ready to go, uh, today is stupid before you needed it, but especially after today and seeing what happened with Virginia tech and how long that story hung out there before we finally heard from Virginia tech, um, that being said, the statements were fine, but Andy McFarland talks about, you know, the lack of transparency. Virginia Tech still not releasing testing numbers, uh, number of positives. You know, I get you can't name names of positive cases. That's fine. I don't think anyone is asking for that. They just want to know how many tests have you done? How many positives have you had as a result of that? Virginia Tech says they tested people when they came before they got to camp. That's fine. One of the things they didn't address, though, is Caleb Farley talking about players going home for the weekend to Myrtle or to Myrtle Beach or whatever and coming back and not getting tested again. And if if that's true, 
okay, uh, that's a problem. Look, the not wearing masks, that's a problem at probably every single institution. I'm not going to single Virginia Tech out for that. But if Caleb Farley says that and then says he doesn't feel safe, of course, he's a projected first-round draft pick. It's in the national media. Virginia Tech's going to get put under a microscope then. Maybe a little bit unfairly in that case, but uh, again, I think the, the answer here isn't, well, everybody does it, and therefore, why are people mad? The answer is, this is why college football in the fall is not going to work. What are we doing? Um, that's, that's the bigger answer. It, it, today was frustrating as a Virginia Tech fan because you do see some people on Twitter in the Fuente Hive that are just never going to admit when something is not good. Um, certain optimistic Hokies are just never going to be able to look at the program and find anything wrong with it. And I'll touch on another program that is kind of similar as a whole uh, here in a minute. But that that doesn't help you grow. That's how you become stagnant. That's how things don't get better, and that's how an actual toxic culture gets created. Yeah, don't don't get better. I think is the phrase surrounding our program like, that we're not getting better. We're not moving forward. I, this is the this I is mean, there's yet, incremental things that make you think things are better, but then there's equal or greater than things that take us back a step. Like losing Caleb Farley is huge. It's a huge problem. And for and him to, to come out and say, yes, concerns. yes. It's just, oh, my goodness. And, and this is just the latest example of a PR slip up with Fuente and Babcock and whoever else you want to throw in the mix that should be handling PR. Yeah, it, it's it's very obvious that way. It was disappointing this morning. I was quick to be hopping on him. I was sending you messages. I was sending my friends. Yeah, I'm sending friend group messages. You know, you're not my friend, so I, I had to decipher who I'm sending things to. But I, we all hopped on them very quickly that things, this wasn't good. This was bad. And I think there was a time where we would allow it for a day before we really would have passed huge judgment. But that we don't live in that society anymore. But I think it's somewhat fair because it's very basic. It was, they resent out the same protocol that it was very generic that they sent out 30 days ago. You know what? You have some some test numbers ready to go. I think people would have been pretty happy with you today. If you had Justin Fuente out front maybe a little bit sooner, or Babcock, anybody of leadership out there sooner, I think everybody would you know, hey, he said this. That doesn't line up with what we're doing here. We're doing this and this, and here's the results of that. So, you know, we're sorry he didn't feel we've been in contact with him now. Things are better. That's what we heard late in the day. Get this out sooner. The PR today was, was just not good, and it seemed like they were caught on their heels and a good PR department isn't caught on your heels. And in and, and the worst-case scenario, if something surprises you, you can re- react quick enough. I think there's a lot of things in our country that aren't ready for the PR that gets hit on them sometimes. But I just – it wasn't a good day for Virginia Tech. I thought we were – I was kind of happy Virginia Tech was just out of the news recently. The you know We're going to talk about JMU coming up, and I was kind of fine you know, <laughs> uh, stacking up on them and, and saying how I disagree with things that are going there. But then today comes the, the school I care most about. I mean, and really, in the realm of things, the, the only school I care. Uh, that's the only one I take personally on colleges. Virginia Tech is where I graduated, but I take it personally when we look bad. We look terrible today, and, and I'm embarrassed of it. Well, I mean, let's talk about the rival. Let's talk about Bronco Mendenhall. That's what leadership is. Um, Jeff Wright's going to love this episode. Bronco Mendenhall <laughs> is the best leader and the best uh, football coach in the state of Virginia. 
at a college. Uh, not only do I think his program is trend- trending in a right direction because he's a good football coach with X's and O's, but he's a great leader of human beings in the sense that when he's being asked questions about how many games do you think the ACC is going to play before the schedule got released, he said, I look around this country and I see the number of cases going up, not down. I see things in this country getting worse and not better. So the number of games is irrelevant to me. And ACC presidents and athletic directors need to look at not only how this impacts our teams, but how it impacts our student bodies at the universities and our cities and communities, as well as our country as a whole. That is leadership. That is something I don't hear out of a lot of football coaches. That's a guy who gets this is bigger than sports. Lives are on the line here, and he understands that. Bronco Mendenhall is a true leader. He's not going to put some hashtag built different or put a picture of a wolf howling at a moon like some kind of idiot. He is going to come out and be strong and provide a statement that shows he cares about the health and safety of his student athletes. That is a leader. Bronco Mendenhall has forever gained my respect on that. What, what was my text to you when I sent you that quote? I said, the man has a brain in it that is connected to his eyes. This is the highest praise he or any UVA coach can expect to get from me. But, I mean, honestly, I have higher praise. I mean, yes, he's just saying the obvious statements that everybody – that all these SEC football coaches and even some ACC coaches are, are just ignore Like, they're, they're living in their own little universe, and I know that's standard operation for them, but, like, now's not the time. Now's not the time we're playing football no matter what. And, you know, what these kids need is to get out on the football field and all this stuff I'm hearing out of Dabo Sweeney and, and, and the likes. I, I just, I, I, yeah, I respect Bronco, Bronco Menhall definitely for that. I hope he loses every game he plays against Virginia Tech the rest of his career, but I will give him respect that he has handled this situation better than our football coach. Cause I guess we heard a quote from him, which was pretty nice, but I, I, I just don't, I don't get why we can't all acknowledge that these numbers aren't going the right way to have everything we want right now. Like, and it's just obvious. And, and you can see a lot of things changing in this country to even reinforce that statement. But instead we're still talking about, Oh yeah, we're playing college football. Really? Like, it's just that obvious. Like, I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay. I want to next move on to some stuff uh, that maybe uh, was not, put in the most eloquent manner next week, uh, last week during the interview. And I, I just want to correct any misgivings that maybe were construed. I'm going to give Greg the benefit of the doubt and assume he meant soccer and field hockey are easier to socially distance when compared to football. That might be true because these sports don't involve tackling another human being and laying on top of them. But in terms of being safe in general for social distancing, Nothing could be further from the truth, and I think people who have watched soccer and field hockey know that. Uh, Most soccer players are very much within six feet of each other uh, of an opponent. For the majority of the match, uh, the one exception would be goalies, but even then, when the attackers are bearing in on them or there's a corner, they very much have a lot of people within six feet of them. Uh, Field hockey, I've watched field hockey. I've covered field hockey. Again, outside of the goalie, I cannot think of a single person who has six feet of distance between them and an opponent. It just, that does not exist. So these are not socially distant, safe sports either. 
for the fall. Yeah, I mean the VHSL bumped soccer up in their field their hockey is also and, and they're not yeah. doing that on a whim. They're they're yeah. talking to doctors and CDC information, you know, facts. So yeah, I I I'm thinking I Greg must what is have. you going to play this fall? Like yeah, they're only tr- are they only really trying to play football? Like I I just haven't seen. Well, let's talk about that. Where. Where these other sports are, I don't. I just haven't seen where they, they're going to have the other stuff. And maybe it's happening in the background. I'm just not seeing it. I'm not, and I'm not trying to say it's not being covered. It just seems like the football out here. Hey, we're going to play. Hey, we're going to play. I think there's a lot of questions to answer that we're not hearing any answers to from JMU, and thus the media is not, you know, able to to forward along those thoughts. And I think, it, in my mind, once you get past safety and player safety, which I think automatically makes me think they shouldn't play. Then it goes to how fair is it to have the football team and that be the only thing play this fall? Cause I just, I don't see the, I don't see how that's fair to anything that happens on that campus. There is no universe in which football is the only sport that should be played. And you're saying that we are, we are, we're doing it out of the abundance of health and safety during a yeah. pandemic. There is no universe in which that would be true. It's the sport with most contact and <laughs> yeah. Um, I, and I, and I also don't, I just, I'm waiting to see the, the money windfall that's going to come from them playing also like, okay, normally, yeah, you got to get your football team out there because you got to fill that stadium. You got to have that TV. Co- who are you playing and who's paying money to see that? You know, what, what, you know, TV companies paying you for the rights to, to cover that. Um, I just I'm I'm waiting to see anything that makes this make sense. And you know, Greg I think was great last week in telling us, you know, what what Jamie is saying and and their hopes and what they're trying to gain from this, but like the the real world how this applies is I'm just waiting to see that cuz it's just it hadn't added up and I and that's why I think we're sitting here saying JMU shouldn't play football, they shouldn't forge ahead without the CAA. I think come September 1st it's not going to be a problem because it's already they'll have canceled by then. Uh, but uh, you're counting, I think they're uh, going to look dumb. They're going to look you're dumb looking, in the meantime. Yeah, you're look you're giving the NCAA leadership a lot of credit that I don't think they've earned. But I, I do want to talk about, uh, you know, um, a a problem at JMU, and to me it comes and I mentioned this with certain optimistic Hokies that don't ever want to see anything negative ever brought up because they can't handle it because they're not true adults. JMU has a pervasive culture of nothing negative ever being said about anything at JMU, about anything JMU-related. We are perfect attitude, kind of. Um, and look, in, in terms of you know wins and losses on a football field, at the end of the day, that doesn't matter. Look, the only thing that gets hurt is the football team maybe doesn't get better. That's that's fine. But there are more serious issues where it becomes a problem. And one thing Jeff Bourne has become a master at is never having to face a tough question. He avoids them by saying, we are not going to talk about that anymore, or just doesn't put him in a situation where he's going to be asked that question. And so... Uh, with this pandemic, I mean, he is just, he's saying some things, but then when 
you're asking certain questions, you can realize, wait, this is this doesn't make sense. This doesn't add up. And he doesn't answer those questions. Uh, so in, in terms of what are you going to do for an independent football schedule? We're going to figure it out. We think it's we think the CAA rushed to judgment. We're going to figure it out. Okay, how are you going to follow these protocols? Well, if he tells Greg that they're testing eat, uh, two to three times per athlete per week, and you see the numbers being released by the university, you don't have to be a mathematician to realize that's not two to three times per week per athlete. Jeff Bourne's not answering that question. Jeff Bourne is not answering the question of how can you look and say, when we get closer to the season, well, we'll figure it out when we get there. That's an answer you need to have now, that before that moment gets here. Because otherwise, what you're doing is you're having all these student-athletes come for no reason other than to risk their health and possibly catch COVID-19 because you just haven't figured out the plan yet. You need to have the plan on how this is all going to work beforehand. Otherwise, you're wasting everyone's time. And again, brought some of the questions up that I thought need to be answered last week when it comes to coronavirus. And I think there are still a lot of questions that have to be answered, and they you cannot let hashtag built different and a picture of a wolf howling at a moon be the talking point when you're covering this team. I think harder questions need to be asked. I hope our friends at the DNR and TV3 will follow up on these questions when it gets closer to competition and the NCAA says you have to be testing every athlete within 72 hours of a competition. I hope they will do the right thing and follow up and ask those questions and say, hey, where are those numbers? What are those tests look looking like? I hope those questions get asked. I hope Jeff Bourne has the guts to answer those questions. I haven't seen it yet from Jeff Bourne. I, that is disappointing to me. As an alumni of JMU, I am highly disappointed that he has not answered those questions uh, or a, a question similar to that up to this point. But it goes back to another issue. And I, Real quick, I want to interject there. Okay. Our listeners may hear you say this and say, hey, Joe, why aren't you asking him these questions? I don't you work know, at the DNR. I don't work at TV3. Say it again. I don't work at the DNR. I don't work at TV3. I don't cover this team full time. Well, we have a platform. and we, we could ask him. I just want to let the listeners know we asked Jeff Bourne to be on this week. We sent the email and we asked. So we did we did our part on this. I, I don't I'm not, I'm not we're not journalists, though. We, we're we're two guys and and two microphones. You know, we're just talking. But we did. We asked Jeff Bourne this week because these are questions we want answers to. And and. Jeff Bourne hasn't had to answer them to anybody else yet, and and hopefully that time is coming, and and maybe closer to competition is the appropriate time. Maybe July hasn't been the right time, but if my alma mater just stuck their foot in the mud today and didn't have answers, and I'm embarrassed about it, and and J, and JMU even more so has put themselves on their own little pedestal, operating outside of a conference play, you know, forging ahead despite anything. They need to have answers to these questions now. They need to be volunteering this information. So to make people feel comfortable that we're all not cheering for these players to be potentially hurting themselves and other people. And again, it, when we have Greg on last week and we ask him, you know, what are what's the plans here? And he says, well, you know, I think when we get closer, we'll see what the plans are. That's obviously what he's the being told by the university. Yeah, the, that's what he's being told by Jeff Bourne. That's what he's being told by Kurt Signetti. That's what he's being told by the people at JMU. And that's what's troubling to me 
is that we don't have those answers. What we're being told is, well, if there's a championship, we need to be a part of it. No, we don't need to be a part of it. JMU still survives. The university still exists if JMU is not playing for some FCS, watered-down FCS national championship in the fall this year. That isn't something that needs to happen. You have um, much bigger problems if you and again, have this a goes back terrible, to, tragic case related to coronavirus related to this football team than you do for not competing for the championship for one year. Yeah, and, and again... Well, it, one gets remembered forever, and the other, in three years, no one even remember that you didn't take part in that, in that championship series. And again, it, it goes back to health and safety. And I know what people are saying. A lot of people that get this don't have any symptoms... And they're totally fine. Well, someone who didn't have any symptoms and then found out later, actually, there was something wrong. It just wasn't very apparent at the time is a Boston Red Sox pitcher named Eduardo Rodriguez, 27 years old. He went out through 20 pitches and was absolutely exhausted. Doctors took a look at him and said, oh, actually, you have this thing called myocarditis. And I butchered that. I apologize. But (laughs) you're not a doctor either. Yeah, it's an inflammation (laughs) of the heart that doctors say they're seeing in about 10 to 20% of people who get diagnosed with COVID-19. That's a professional athlete, a physical specimen. So when you tell me that it's totally impossible for something to happen to these college athletes and these college kids, I'm going to say you're wrong. And I'm going to have doctors and medical proof to back that up versus you just want it to be so because you want to watch JMU play football. And I also don't care how small the percentage is. Yeah, you named one player, and I don't care how small the percentage is of people having these complications or problems because one is terrible. If one happens on my team, that's terrible. If one happens at my school, that's that's terrible. If one happens in my house, that is you know the worst thing that could possibly happen. And if it happens to somebody, it's happening at someone's house. Somebody's kid has gone out there and contracted this disease and had a problem. And I understand we all take risks every day as soon as we – you know, step out of bed, there's percentages of danger falling upon us. Heck, in the bed, there's, you know, you can have the heart attack while laying there when you first wake up if you stand up too quick. Like, come on. Like, I get that. But we know so little about all of this. We can't just forge ahead like always. You know, and and you also, I so often hear these people respond with, well, you do. You drive a car. You fly on a plane. You do all this. But, yeah, we We've done that now under great safety modifications being put in place. You know, the Wright brothers didn't have a whole lot of safety going on on that thing. And look at planes now. And they've decreased the percentages. And now people know the risk. We don't know the risks right now. We don't know the percentages. This thing's been happening for eight months right now. And in the U.S., primarily six months. We don't know the we don't we don't even have a chance of having an idea of the numbers of the danger. But yet we're supposed to throw these student athletes out there. They're not getting paid. They don't have financial backing. They don't have any of this. And we're putting them out there because they got to dance around for our entertainment. I I, I think it's terrible. I and think it's terrible. Let me tell you what Jeff Bourne and Kurt Signetti mean when they say we need to be playing for an FCS national championship if there is one in the fall. What they mean is they need to be playing for an FCS national championship if there's one in the fall because they might not have a job if we don't. So we, as in James Madison University, do not. We, as in those student-athletes needing to risk their health, do not. They need JMU and those student-athletes to risk their health for them. That's what they need. And again, I would really love Jeff Bourne to have to answer that question. 
another thing, and this is just another example before of Jeff Bourne totally avoiding tough questions and not having to answer them. And again, this is in the past, so I'm not looking for any answers on this particular example. It's just for when the next one happens, because JMU has now created a culture in which this is acceptable because of how they handled it the last time. I've talked about it before. Lita and I have expressed our opinions on the Riley Stapleton situation, but he got three games for a sexual assault, which he pleaded no contest to when he trapped a woman in a bathroom in the previous offseason. Now, James Madison won't commit to a zero-tolerance policy even in the aftermath of what Riley Stapleton has done. The USA Today, a national newspaper, did a great in-depth story on something they called the Tracy Rule. And they talked about the uh, Big Sky Conference, which is an FCS conference. And again, that's the same level JMU plays at. So if, a, if an entire conference can take this rule where we have a zero-tolerance policy on sexual assault, I don't know why JMU, the brand, the premier brand of the FCS, can't seem to take this, other than we're hashtag built different, I guess, uh, at JMU. That seems to be what I'm being told when tough questions get answered is, well, we're hashtag built different. This makes us tougher. Um, I, and that's not what this is in reference to, to be fair, but it speaks to that kind of mentality, being hashtag built different versus hashtag being human beings. Because the human being would say, this is unacceptable. We will not accept this from our student athletes or anyone on campus. In fact, when the Student Government Association at James Madison University got wind of something like the Tracy Rule and asked the university to take this up as an official policy, James Madison University Bill, spokesman Bill Wyatt said, officials worry the rule discriminates against athletes and will be better received if it applied to a larger swath of campus activities and scholarship recipients. Well, I'm glad we're not worried about, you know, the potential victims of sexual assault here and how it would affect them. We're more worried about the people that would be committing the acts of sexual assault. I'm glad What's that, that that's... I'm glad that Who that is that? Bill Wyatt, a James University, James Golly. Madison University spokesman. I'm glad that that is the official stance of James Madison University because oh my goodness. goodness and God forbid if a member of the football team or any athletic team or any part of the university. And again, his whole thing of we would feel we would be better. We feel it would be better received if it applied to a larger swath of campus activities and scholarship recipients. Well, by all means, James Madison University, no one's telling you to not do that. You could very easily say we're going to apply this to every student organization and every club and every scholarship recipient on campus. I don't think anyone would have a problem with that. To say you will lose your financial aid, you will not be allowed to participate in an athletic event or a student group event if you, are, if you commit a sexual assault. I don't think anyone at James Madison University would have any problem with that. But instead, what they're saying is, we can't do this because we worry about it discriminating against athletes, about a potential person who would commit sexual assault. I think that tells you how JMU is hashtag built different and not being the change that they tell on the official James Madison University website that they ask people to be, being the change. Being the change would be adopting this rule. Being the change would be saying, we find sexual assault 
totally indefensible. And we will not have someone on this, on any team or a part of this university representing the university in a very public manner. We won't put up with that. And they will not represent this university. That would be being the change. Now, being hashtag built different would be what Bill Wyatt said. That's very different. I don't know of any university that would have a spokesman come out and say that. Yeah, actually, this is different. Maybe maybe that's maybe they're just being accurate. They're built different. Just terrible, but... Houses, houses built on sand are hashtag built different. I want the university to be hashtag built better, hashtag built smart. I want them to do what is best for their student body, for students, the health and safety of everyone on campus, and not worrying about just the people who can catch touchdowns on Saturday or yeah. make slam dunks on the basketball court or whatever the sport we're talking about would be. That's what I want James Madison University to do. That's what they're not doing. And again, the reason I bring this up isn't to continue to bring up Riley Stapleton's one case, because that person didn't isn't a JMU student. But again, that shouldn't be the deciding factor on whether we punish Riley Stapleton or not. The fact that he did it should be the point. The Virginia Tech student handbook says anyone who pleads guilty, or in Riley Stapleton's case, no contest to a felony or violent misdemeanor is dismissed from the team permanently. So Virginia Tech will not have someone like Riley Stapleton on their team. Not only because he's not good enough to play at Virginia Tech, but because if he were to commit, if someone at Virginia Tech were to commit an act that Riley Stapleton did, they would be immediately dismissed from the team. The University of Virginia has a zero tolerance on sexual assault with their athletic programs. What they didn't have a spokesman for their university do was come out and say, we worry that the rule discriminates against athletes and would be better received if it applied to a larger swath of campus activities and scholarship recipients. That's what those two institutions of higher learning chose not to do. James Madison University is hashtag built different. They did something else. They came out and they defended a potential attacker and someone who could potentially attack a another person with sexual assault they're more worried about that person than the victim and that is a larger problem in our society as a whole but when james madison university isn't even scared to say it publicly i just hope that the next time this happens again our friends at the daily news record our friends at tv3 follow up with actual hard-hitting questions. And when Jeff Bourne, like he did in this Riley Stapleton case, says, we're not going to talk anymore about this, they don't take that for an answer. Because people's lives, people's well-being are at stake. This isn't about wins and losses. This isn't about what's good for athletics. This is about human decency And at the end of the day, being able to look at yourself in a mirror and say, I did everything I can to protect human beings. What we're not asking is, how did this woman feel when Riley Stapleton did what he did to her? We're not asking that question. We're asking, hey, Riley Stapleton, can you show us your rings on Twitter? And if you don't see the problem in that, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that makes me different. I find that truly disgusting. I can't root for a human being that does that. I can't root for an institution that shelters 
people who would do that. And again, I'm bringing this up because Jeff Bourne has been an absolute wizard at not answering any tough questions. And I just want our friends at the DNR, whether it be Greg Medea, or if when the next time it comes up, someone else is there, or whether it's TJ Eck at TV3, or if somebody else is there when this happens, I want them to ask the tough questions and not be, let themselves be stonewalled by, well, we're not going to talk about it at this time. Why doesn't JMU, and the questions they could ask now, why doesn't JMU have a tougher stance on sexual assault? Why doesn't JMU stand up and do what's right here? Why do they try to hide behind, we worry that the rule discriminates against athletes and would be better received if it applied to a larger swath of campus activity and scholarship recipients? Why isn't the next question then, why don't you make it apply to a larger swath of campus activities and scholarship recipients then? What prevents you from doing that? Why isn't that the next question? And why does the USA Today have to be the one to bring it up in a story and it have to be a paragraph? That is the next question. Man, I got nothing to argue with you there. I mean, that's, that's obvious. I think you said it all very well, so I'll, I'll, I'll leave it to you there. We talk about it. I mean, we talk about it a lot these, these weeks, and um, it would be nice to see with the with the current in our face issue, if the student athlete was being put first or any any of the student body. I mean, I, I know I've I don't know, but I am one degree of separation from somebody that their faculty at JMU, husband and wife, and they they believe students are coming back into town and all this, and so they're holding their classes online throughout the semester, and they're going RV and around the country so they can choose where <laughs> how populated the areas they are and go to campsites where to give themselves space because they don't want to be in Harrisonburg when all these kids come back or in, and, and student athletes are back because it's, it's just bringing, it's bringing people in who obviously these kids aren't, we see it. So all these weekends and it's, it's like, we always have to go back to it. Like, well, this was bad for them to throw this big party. This was bad for them to go to this concert. We're bringing, you know, young people that are in that demographic that are making those bad decisions back into our area it's just all going to fall apart. I, I just is. So it'd be and nice if Jamie, that's my point though. Jamie, it'd be nice if Jamie was making leaning at least towards the right decisions when handling these issues to deal to deal with the safety of student athletes or, or students in general. And it's it just like they're forging in, in the opposite direction. They're just forging of being reckless with, with the control of the kids safety. And again, I don't bring this up because I have some vendetta against JMU. I, I honestly don't. I went to JMU. My time at JMU was fine. I never understood the culture of be positive 100% and don't ever ask any questions. I thought that was kind of an odd culture at the time. It allows this kind of behavior to happen and people to praise the university no matter what they do. I think it's weird. I think that's not healthy. Um, and, And look, full disclosure, like in a perfect ideal world, as much as I enjoy calling games with Leland and Chip, in a perfect ideal world, that's not the final destination for me. And I would love someday to work at JMU in the athletic department. But if, if saying this stuff makes that never happen and makes that not a possibility, I'm okay with that. Because again, at the end of the day, I would have to look at myself in the mirror and say, do I think JMU is handling this well? And I can't, I, from a human decency standpoint, cannot look at how this Riley Stapleton situation was handled, cannot look at that statement from the James Madison University spokesman, Bill Wyatt, and say, 
that is an appropriate response, and I support that. And as a, as a person who went to JMU, it sickens me that that is the official statement from a James Madison University spokesman, and then there is no follow-up. That story was from December 19th, 2019. I didn't hear about it until I went looking for this Riley Stapleton story and then came upon the Tracy rule, and then that directed me to this story on the USA Today. That's how I heard about it. We need to hear about it, and it needs to be a bigger topic because if we wait till the next Riley Stapleton, we've waited too long. We need to try to prevent the next Riley Stapleton. And again, it starts by not celebrating Riley Stapleton in the first place, but it also comes from the standpoint of what if this was, and again, to me, it's not even about what if it's somebody I know. It's what if it happens to another human being, period, because that's called being a human being. It's called about caring about someone other than yourself. And I can't, with good conscience, look at how we handled that situation, look at that statement and say, I am a proud former student of James Madison University, and that makes me proud. It doesn't. It makes me sick to my stomach that that is the official stance from a James Madison University spokesman. It's, it's upsetting. But let's move on to baseball. Yeah. <laughs> let's stay negative with baseball and then, and then try to wrap it out positive. We, I don't want to dwell on it. Baseball's had its issues, coronavirus, and I think that leads to a lot of our opinions. Or, or doesn't lead. It, it just reinforces our feelings about how college sports are being handled with coronavirus. The Marlins still have positive cases, but they're getting enough guys brought up from the 60-man roster that they're going to get back into action. The Phillies have no positives now. They're going to get back into action. But then here are the Cardinals, unrelated to the Marlins, unrelated to the Phillies, unrelated to any of these other teams that have had positive tests. They now have 13 people positive, seven players and six staffers. That number jumped big from the Saturday tests. So now they're not playing for the next four days. If baseball's fine with these teams just taking off for a week every time there's a blow-up, I guess they're just, I, maybe they're dependent on each team they're going to have one of these to have some kind of close-to-balance schedule. I I don't know. It just seems like baseball It seems like baseball's putting the safety secondary to the fact of we got to get to the playoffs so we can get that playoff TV money. Yeah, and, and again, for me, it, it comes down to, look, it, this is the other thing that I think is mind-boggling when we look at the instances of what what we see in the number of testing being done with college football and, you know, every within 72 hours of a competition versus what Major League Baseball is doing. Major League Baseball is doing it every other day, every team member that's staff players yeah. everything everybody is but then tested if you get every other day doing it every day yeah and the, and they're still having outbreaks so when you say well they're going to test within 72 hours of a competition and for something like football it's going to be totally fine again that's where someone needs to look at it and say wait this doesn't make a lot of sense and then follow up and say well if it happens in baseball and they're testing every other day how is it not going to happen here and then what happens when it does? Yeah. What and, happens when it does is and, the number one thing I think for any planning around coronavirus needs just you need to ask this question. And 
the answer will figure <laughs> and the answer will worry about that when that comes or we'll figure that out as as it develops is not an answer. That is what they're telling you is we don't have a plan. And that is not acceptable. I will say all the 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 Marlins last week and then the Cardinals this week and I'm putting it on them because that seems like the source of the the breakouts. I'll leave the Phillies out of it. You're welcome, John Leonard. We're dumb. Me and you are dumb. Because what was it, a month ago? We were sitting here saying, hey, baseball should have their act together. They should be playing right now. They could start 4th of July and have the month to themselves. Well, they didn't have anything together. They didn't have the money together back then, and now they don't have – it's obvious they never had this coronavirus plans in place and what could happen. We were dumb to think that baseball had anything together and that they had any opportunity. It, imagine the disaster this would have been a month ago. So we were dumb. We were dumb. Well, and also the players haven't taken this very seriously, and that's frustrating to see. In game, out of game, they're not taking it seriously. The protocol only would have been worse a month ago. And again, that's another issue tied to college kids. They're, as you said, they're partying all the time. You'll hear it when we talk to Patrick. Yeah, you'll hear it when we talk to Patrick. (laughs) They're having parties. We expect the football players to not do that. Okay, they're college kids. They're going to do that. Um, But I want to talk about the on the field product here really quickly. The good, the good stuff. Yeah, the Orioles are 5-3. and three. We just swept the Tampa Bay Rays. We, we got hard done by an umpire, I feel like, in the second of the Yankees games. But you know what? That happens sometimes. Um, but we're 5-3. and three. We've got the Marlins coming up who haven't played baseball in two weeks. And then we play the Nats, who are struggling as of right now. Um, and I guess I'm just tired. Look. If you don't think if you think the Orioles are going to fall apart and not make the playoffs, okay, that's fine. But I'm tired of just the blatant disrespect and it's because writers are ignorant of what the Orioles are. I have watched every Orioles game. Let me tell you what they're not. They're not a bunch of just miserable baseball players who have never seen a field before. They've got some actually really good players. They've got Hans Alberto, who again, if you knew anything about baseball, baseball writers would know that he led the league an average off of left-handed pitchers last year. The league, Major League Baseball, against left-handed Were pitchers. Those night games or day games? Against left-handed pitchers, which is one of two <laughs> kinds of pitchers you're going to see, Leland. I know you're laughing. You think that's some obscure stat. It's, there's only right-handed and left-handed pitchers. And when he's facing a left-handed pitcher, he has the highest batting average off of any Major League player last year. Now he's hitting righties and lefties. He's hitting well over 400. He's a good baseball player. He's do, he did it against Blake Snell of the Tampa Bay Rays. He did it off Garrett Cole. He's doing it against good pitchers. Um, Jose Iglesias hasn't even played the last two or three games for the Orioles, and we're still finding ways to win. It, I, my, my, I wanted, my motivation for my disrespect is you. It's not, it's not ignorance. They are playing good baseball. Whenever I've, I've had them on the TV, a decent amount. Well, when I see the athletic um, put them on there and they're like, they're five and three. They should probably be higher, except for all the reasons that they're terrible. And then go on to list no reasons and say, we're going to have them as dead last. I- I'm sorry. Uh, did the Boston Red Sox get contracted? Because that team has been terrible. They're starting pitching, again, some of it not through their fault. Eduardo Rodriguez developing a heart condition because of COVID 19 isn't really the Red Sox' fault, but they're starting pitching is a tire fire. It's worse than the Baltimore Orioles, which everybody likes to laugh at, which, again, hasn't really been that bad outside of Tommy Malone. And Tommy Malone actually had a pretty good start in his second start. Opening day was a disaster. There's no getting around that. Opening day was bad. And I think that's the other thing. 
all these major sports writers saw the opening day score and were like, oh, that's the Orioles. And then they didn't pay attention to the fact that the Orioles have actually been really, really good outside of that. In fact, we barely lost to their heroes, the New York Yankees. And again, which if they had watched that game, and I know they didn't, they would have seen a very obvious strike call that was not given, and then that puts Aaron Judge ahead in the count 3-1 and one instead of 2-2, two and two, so our pitcher has to lob him one that Aaron Judge, because he's Aaron Judge, hits the ball to the moon, and we lose the game. What they didn't see was the inning before when the Yankees' terrible bullpen that they have gave up a monster shot to Pedro Severino, who before that had looked like a lost child at home plate. But then he faces him, hits one out. Now he's got confidence. He's sitting him out all over the place, which, again, they haven't noticed because they don't actually watch the Orioles. What they do is they watch the Dodgers, they watch the Astros, they watch the Yankees, they watch the Red Sox because those are the teams that are high in the power rankings. And because of that, you can tell those are the only teams they're actually watching. And that's why they have them in that order. Although I don't know how anyone watching the Dodgers right now could have them ahead of the Yankees in the power rankings because the Dodgers just simply aren't better than the Yankees. I'll tell you what, that Aaron Judge can hit a baseball, can he? He can. I hate him, but yeah. Oh, yeah, I hate him. I want him to fail, but he's not failing. Also, how look, I'm conflicted on this Joe Kelly thing. I realize he was part of the cheating Red Sox, and I realize his pitch that hit Alex Bregman was a little too high probably than it should have been. But at the end of the day, I liked what he did. I liked the face he made. I liked nice swing and then a term that is not going to be repeated on this podcast for at Carlos Correa. I thought that was hilarious. And the fact that the Astros cleared the benches over it, get over yourselves. And the fact that Rob Manfred suspended him eight games. Who are you kidding? Yeah. I've got, I I've got news. I didn't, I didn't even have any reservations. Rob, I don't love outlandish behavior, but I didn't mind it there. I, I liked it. When you said, we all take risks just by getting out of bed. Rob Manfred should take the risk of not getting out of bed because then I don't have to hear him try to find another way to make me hate baseball. What about suspect, uh, Cepedes? I never said his Cespedes. name, right? The Mets guy. Jonas Cespedes. Yeah. yeah. He just peaced out. He just didn't even tell anybody. He just I, was missing. Hmm, I do wonder. The Mets have been known to not be the most honest franchise. And sometimes do some rather shady things. I do wonder if Cespedes maybe told them before then that he wasn't showing up. And then when he didn't show up, they didn't tell anybody. And a reporter said, you hearing that? I haven't heard that at all. Look, no, that's reckless, reckless speculation on my yeah. part. Reckless speculation like on my part. I feel we'd hear that by now if that was the case. I don't know. I mean, we're just now hearing about the Marlins players maybe not deciding to play that game and maybe major league baseball saying it's fine if you play and it wasn't decided in a group text we're maybe we're just now hearing that that was two weeks ago i believe the the empire of the major league baseball hiding stuff a little bit quicker than i do i i don't know it seemed like the new york mets are are a definition of incompetence yeah but i i don't know that's why i don't think they could and look, I don't, I don't put it smart enough to like, I, yeah, I, at the same time, I don't, <laughs> would I be shocked if Cespedes, I don't know. I, I just find that hard to believe that a major league baseball player just, just doesn't show up rather than say, tell yeah, someone to rather than tell someone I'm not going to play and I've decided to opt out. I, I find that weird. I find the whole find thing weird. The whole thing started off as scary. Like originally oh, when I saw that yeah. story, I was like, 
oh, Lord, I hope he's okay and nothing has yeah. happened to him. Yeah. But, right. yeah, I yeah. mean, him opting out is the best best case, uh, I guess, um, that he's just decided he doesn't want to play anymore this year. Uh, but, yeah. Also, yeah, speaking of teams that should be ranked worse than the Orioles. Uh, yeah, the Pirates. The yeah. Pirates. Yeah, they're terrible. And that's what I was about to actually, I mean, that was exactly what I was going to say. Hey, the Pirates are playing to allow someone to be worse than than the Orioles, and, and then and they're bad. They have a couple injuries that aren't helping anything. But we're not talking playoff team even with these guys. I I would like to just see a couple more wins come through. I'm used to like them playing pretty good through the All Star break and then falling apart. And just this being a shorter season, I don't I don't have that that up. So I'm I'm struggling a little bit with it, but. I'm st- I mean, that doesn't change my fandom. I just, I'm disappointed that's how it is. Hey, we'll have a, a high draft pick, right? Yeah, but this also <laughs> goes back to the Orioles really quickly. If we win three out of four, if we win three <laughs> out of four against the Marlins or sweep the Marlins and win all four, so now we're looking at eight and four or nine and three. You won't sweep the Marlins. The top two teams make it in each division. We've talked about the Red Sox starting pitching issues that are just not going to get better. I mean, they're you just, just swept bad. Tampa Bay. Yep. Tampa Bay's offense, when you look at those numbers, that is a minor league lineup. That yeah, they must is be terrible. Bad they just baseball. got swept by the Orioles. Yeah. But somehow they're better than the Orioles. <laughs> Even though they just got swept in all four games and absolutely got beat in all four games, somehow they're still better than the Orioles in the eyes of people <laughs> who, cares who about don't power watch rankings? baseball. Come on. It's just disrespect, and that's the part that bothers me. Look, if you can't watch every game, that's fine. Then prove them wrong, man. Just like, just well, if we make the playoffs, we're going to be the first team to be 30th in the power rankings to make the Major League Baseball playoffs, and I'm going to laugh when it happens. I think this still team, get swept we by win the three out of four. Go out quickly. Well, yeah, because the Yankees probably would pick us because Why we would, wouldn't they? Well, the, actually, Jeffrey Mayer throw out the opening Actually, pitch, they right? won't because they'll probably have the best record in the American League, so somebody else will have to pick us. But... Um, yeah, if we win, if we win three out of four or sweep the Marlins, and I know you say it's impossible to sweep the Marlins. We just swept the Tampa Bay Rays, who I think are a better team than than the Miami Marlins. I said you won't. We'll see. Let's put some on it. I didn't think we would sweep the Tampa Bay Rays and we did. I bet you a dollar you don't sweep the Marlins. I'm not a gambling man, Leland. Gambling is a sin. Right here. You can see it. Gambling is a sin, Leland, and I don't participate in that. Gambling is also illegal in the Commonwealth of Virginia still, so. I just got done with a long speech about being a better human being, Leland. You can't corrupt me. <laughs> Maybe Jeff Bourne's going to call us. All right. Um, the Rock bought the XFL. Good. I'm glad the XFL has another chance. Yes. I'm, I'm glad that's my only comment. This I love it because it's the closest thing to a minor league that we've seen potentially for the NFL, and I think that we need that. I think that's what we need. All these people saying, all these athletes, and the Pac-12 included, saying they felt you know violated and – that they're being, you know, exploited. The XFL is the opportunity. That's the answer there. If you want to get paid, go, go get paid. That's fine. Go get paid. If, if you want to pursue an education and the scholarship is good enough for you, then you go to college. If not, go get paid. Go play in the XFL. I'm fine with that. I hope the XFL survives. My only point, I don't care about the rock or anything, that aspect of it. I'm just glad the XFL is going to have a a second chance to live because I didn't think it was a fair shot this spring. I agree. The season got canceled because of coronavirus. I get that the original investors there had to get out. I I understand the whole concept of it. So I'm just glad it has a second chance, and it has a little bit of star power behind it that that could draw in some more eyes. So that's that's fine. I'm glad it has a second chance. 
Yep. All right. Let's get out of here. Let's get to the B block. We got Patrick Height, and we'll see how long we can talk. Next on the Exports Podcast, we have Patrick Height from the Daily News Leader. Patrick, this is your 12th time on the podcast, according to my records. It's the, it's the dirty dozen here, man. 12 times, really? Wow. Out of, uh, what is this, 102? 102. Yeah. Wow. Between you I, and Cody I, not, Elliott, you guys are like 20%. Yeah, <laughs> I was going to say, my wife's a math teacher. She can figure out the percentage of that, but I can't. I, I could not figure pretty, that out. Pretty close to 12%. <laughs> <laughs> close to 12 yeah cool yeah close to 12 but not exactly 12 so, you know. but that's cool hey i'm glad that you know no not too many people invite me back double digits so i appreciate it <laughs> well uh thanks for coming on well where we'll start is with the vhsl last week the alignment that's probably the, the biggest new news uh that's not uh pandemic related and uh the vhsl made some decisions or had their votes on different items. And uh, we have Waynesboro coming in the Shenandoah, which just seems obvious. Um, we have Stanton going up a class and we have uh, Buffalo Gap staying put where they're at um, because their vote got denied. Let's start there, Patrick. Um, I haven't actually been able to see the numbers and, and maybe they were available to me, but what enrollment number is Gap sitting at? And what what is the biggest class A team? One class one A team. That's that's great. I'm glad you asked me those questions, and I I, I don't have the numbers. <laughs> I, mean, so I appreciate I appreciate you throwing me under the. Uh, are under they the under the like number that, though? Uh, are, are, were they within the no. number? Um, they they were, and you know, as I've had people tell me that they should have been they they should have been dropped down because when they go to four classes which seems i don't know like they're going to go to four or five classes here in the next few years right it, it seems almost yeah. inevitable that that's going to happen the buffalo gap is probably going to be in in the lower class at that point so why not why not let them down now obviously they they feel like they would fit better in 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 class one but they hey uh you know as soon as we finish this, I'm going to actually go look up those numbers yeah. what a good journalist would have done before <laughs> coming on this podcast. If I had known that was going to be one of the questions, I would have looked those up. But um, but I think there was some surprise. But if you look at the vote, it wasn't really close. It was no, like 19 but, to 3 or something to, to deny that vote. So, But that's the thing, though. Like, if their number is less than any team in Class 1, I don't see why – why shouldn't they be? I, to me, and it's kind of coming from the opposite direction. I always hear, you know, being a Riverheads alum, well, Riverheads is just the biggest school down there. And, I, and you know, that's why they're dominant. I, I, I don't, I think they're very good for a lot of class two teams and a lot of sports. So I don't necessarily buy into that. But I also say, well, their number is what their number is. And so it, it just doesn't matter. You play where your number is and that's what's up. So I don't, I don't get why if Buffalo Gap's number is within the right range, why wouldn't they be like, why is it even a, a question? Why wouldn't it just be automatic? They go right down. I'm going to look that up. And, and uh, <laughs> b before you guys uh, tweet out this uh, link to the podcast, you can, you can put that, uh, that Patrick Height did his work after the fact and, <laughs> and, and found that out. But, but I'm like, you right? You know, the number is the number. That's what we should go by. I, I don't have a problem with the Riverheads being class one, but oh, people complain about it all the time. 
and that's my answer too. Hey, you know, I mean, they have a number. That's what their population. I know that opponents want to say that they they fudge the books, right? And they they make sure that they stay under. You know, none Which of that's n- proven. None of that's true. It's not true because they would their get number, less funding. They would get less funding. Their number, <laughs> and, and they are in class one. And and let's just accept that and say, hey, they they play who they play. They play. They do well in in most sports and. And forget about it, but you and know they, how that and is. They play the upper schools all the time and perform well. Yeah. And if you're winning, and people the, hate you, and people find a reason to dislike you, and that's what happens. If Riverheads was not winning every every year in football, if they weren't successful in other sports, nobody would ever complain. Yeah, no one complains about Windsor. One. Yeah, <laughs> so you know that's it. In the current VHSL alignment on the VHSL.org site. Uh, and I don't know if these are the updated numbers or the current updated. numbers. I, saw, I know what you're saying, yeah. Okay, well, Buffalo Gap is not smaller than any Class A school. That's the old numbers. That's the current alignment. I wanted to see the numbers for this alignment vote. See, those I are the old yeah, numbers. The, that's seen, the old Riverheads number. I had not seen those numbers. This is the week you should have had uh, Cody Elliott, who's, who's probably a, a better <laughs> Probably reporter. on top of it. Yeah. <laughs> He's probably – Credit to Cody. Had, he would have had that information. But – um. But no, I, you know, so so Buffalo Gap's not not playing down. And honestly, I had not heard anything that that vote would have passed anyway. So I, I didn't expect them to to get approved to play down. Any um, any word that they might appeal that or anything? Or are they just going to let it go? I don't, I don't think they're going to appeal that. Not with the way the uh, not with the way the vote went. Right. I mean, if it had been a close vote, maybe you could have appealed it or something. But I, I think I think they're just going to let it go um, at this point. I would. Uh, because they've got the appeal dates coming up and then the, uh, the VHSL actually has to make all of that official uh, gotcha. when they vote on it. But, um, but right now I don't think they're going to appeal that. I know that Stanton, at least the last time I talked to, to David Tibbs, uh, the athletic director there, they're not planning on appealing. But their number's um, up, so they should be up. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they should be up. They, they weren't happy about that, but you can understand why. I mean, look at, I mean, I know Wilson wasn't happy when they had to move up to, to class three because the competition gets a lot harder and you're not going to have teams go nearly as far in the playoffs. And I think that's what Stanton, I mean, Stanton struggled at times in class two for the last yeah. few years in some sports. And so they're going to, they're going to have trouble in class three, but. I do as, think the as, jump is harder at three than two. I, I, from, from my observations, I, you know, calling enough state championship, sports in class two there it just seems like the jump between class one and two isn't as great as it is from two to three no i would agree i would agree with that but now hey we've got four teams in class three <laughs> we've got we'll have not not this coming year but obviously at the next cycle yeah. once it's approved we'll have waynesboro wilson fort and now stanton all in class three um and and just Stewart's draft and Buffalo Gap are the only class two teams we have. So, Stewart's draft's pretty big. They're they're high up there. Yeah, and they could. You know, I, I think all of this obviously will change if if here in a few years they decide to to go to to less classifications. But uh, and we'll see where everybody lands then. But um, but right now Stewart's draft and Stewart's draft's in pretty good shape in uh, in this area in, in class two right now. So uh, they've got to be so they've got to they- be happy and. The only other point I have in this part of the discussion is Waynesboro. I, I, I mean, two years ago, we started our podcast. And I think our first episode, we went for a long time saying, why the heck didn't Waynesboro come to the Shenandoah district? And there was, 
I think we had Cody Elliott on, uh, so we're, we're well-timed then. He was talking about how his discussions had included them talking about, you know, the tradition of the Valley District. It was going to leave the Valley District kind of short on teams, and they didn't want to hurt the Valley District. Like, I, it mattered for the school. And, like, it, you know what? I wonder if that had impact on sports part- participation lately. Maybe not the football team, but the other sports that struggled. Maybe – you know, not playing the local close schools where everybody else is playing each other now and it, and it had that hype, maybe they felt like the outside dog. And so some people were like, oh, you know, we're not going to play uh, because we're just not that connected with it. I wonder if that has a factor in it. But I'm, I'm happy they're in the Shenandoah. It makes sense. Get everybody in the borders of Augusta County in one one place. I love it. You know, when they were, were contemplating jumping to the Shenandoah the same time Fort Defiance jumped into the Shenandoah district, yeah. Part of the thing I'd heard, and, and I was in one of those discussions, the Valley District was going to put up a fight if both teams jumped to the Shenandoah. They were going to really try to block that from happening. And they thought they could block that from happening. And I think Waynesboro, for whatever reason, felt guilty and decided, yep, we're, we're all to stay. And when they decided to stay, then the Valley said, okay, then Fort can go and we won't fight this. What's and the then difference it now? Um, I, I don't know what the difference now is, other than the fact that Harrisonburg, at some point, will be splitting into to two. another year, another year away now. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's right. All of this, but um, and and so yeah, I don't know exactly what changed, but I know that they did not want Waynesboro to leave, and I also know when that happened, there were a lot of coaches at Waynesboro that were not happy with the fact that they did not go to the Shenandoah district. There were coaches that really wanted to play in the Shenandoah. Yeah. It, it helps with travel. It helps, yes. with, you know, it helps, helps with, with gates. so gates. many things. Yeah. And, and it helps with competition. Let's mm-hmm. face it. I mean, if, if playing within the Shenandoah district, Waynesboro has, is more competitive than playing all of those big, much bigger Valley district teams. And so when, when that happened, I talked to some coaches, you know, off the record who were saying, this is stupid. <laughs> why, why did we do this? And why did we not come to the to the Shenandoah district? We could have fought this and been okay, but hey, it's it's at least it's happening now, and and we finally have a an Augusta County district, really Augusta County with with Stanton and Waynesboro thrown in, and that's great. I, I think it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, I, I don't know, it's something that we've been talking about. It seems like for years that this made yeah. some good sense. Now it's finally happening. Yeah, better late than never. Um, but. I want to move the conversation now to college and uh, coronavirus. Um, wh- uh, I know you're a listener of the podcast. And you probably listened last week. Uh, and Leland and I have made our opinions pretty well known on this. And in, in fact, including earlier in this episode, we kind of, well, I'll, I won't speak for Leland. I went kind of hard on JMU um, on this and other things, but, when we see the kind of things coming out of JMU on the conference cancels their season and well, we're going to schedule independently and the testing numbers that we're seeing, not really reflecting the entire football team, let alone the other fall sports being tested on a regular basis in terms of the athletes per athlete being tested on a regular basis. I know you and I had a conversation before we started this. It it seems like a fool's errand to even pretend like fall sports is possible in a college environment. Oh, it's, I don't see any way that we get, 
I think we'll start a college football season at some point. I, I just, I don't know. I, I think there seems to be so much push to at least start one, but I don't see any way we actually finish one because we've seen what happens when you try to play, look at Major League Baseball. I mean, you try to play without a bubble, and obviously you can't do a bubble for college football. Right. You, you try to play without a bubble, and Major League Baseball ran into problems within days of starting their season. And this is, and that's Major League Baseball, who have supposedly adults who should be able to, you know, I, I, I don't know. There's this whole thing of, you know, some of it is the players going out and, and violating the, the rules that have been put in place. But that's the other people saying, well, that's just Major League Baseball's way of blaming the players instead of <laughs> instead of taking the blame for even trying to start a season. Whichever way you look at that, do we think there's any way college football and a bunch of teenagers um, are, are going to be able to 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 remain safe? Uh, it, it's it's just no way it's going to happen. And I'm, I'm like you, JMU, if, if their conference had decided to go ahead and try to play then maybe I give them a little slack. You know, maybe you try to, to stick with your conference and see what happens. But once the conference gave them an out, that should have been it. Mm-hmm. James should have said that th- our conference that gave them the perfect opportunity to say the conference isn't playing. And while we would have loved to have played a, a season, it's just not going to happen. And they didn't do that. And and I now blame them because they're if the season does get canceled. They look foolish. They they look like they were going to go ahead and try to try to go through with this and endanger not only the players on that team, but but how about the the, the campus? How about the students back at, at the city of, gonna, in the city of Harrisonburg and, and the as a whole? Yeah. I mean, it just seems like it just seems really really risky. They had an out. They didn't take it. I I blame the administration there. I blame the coaching staff. It's just it's crazy. Well, and you mentioned the community and the student body as a whole, and it being bigger than just the team and the athletes as well. And I'll I'll praise Bronco Bronco Mendenhall for a second time. That is what true leadership is. And as a Virginia Tech fan, it drives me bananas that the best form of a leader at a college football program (laughs) is at UVA. Um, But he's shown in this instance that he sees the bigger picture and he sees what's more important than than sports in this aspect is it's not about football it's not about being tougher or whatever stupid mantra jmu is trying to chant at the moment about being hashtag built different but built different yes yeah i i i've heard on other podcasts the idea that this will help jmu re- that J- <laughs> this will help jmu in recruiting um I find that to be the daffest explanation or trying to defend this of all the reasons. Um, Patrick, you have, you watch high school. You, yeah, you yeah you follow and you have covered high school sports a lot. You watch college sports. You're familiar with college sports. Does that make any sense to you? No way. No way. Because honestly, when you're talking about a college. The decision, while the kids make a big part of that decision, the parents are are huge into that decision, right? And they're going to want to send their kids to a coach who has the best interest of the players at heart. And to me, it doesn't seem like like JMU has the best interest of the players at heart. They have the the institution, they have the coach, uh, coach's best interest, but they, they don't seem to be having the, the player's best interest. And so, if I'm a parent and my kid wants to go to JMU, 
I may have second thoughts after after seeing this. So so no, that makes absolutely no sense uh, that it's it's going to help in recruiting. And I'm not saying it's going to going to hurt hurt recruiting necessarily. I, I mean, but it's not going to help. I don't see how it helps recruiting at all. And I think it could hurt. I think it I was going to say best case scenario, it's a, it's a helps. zero sum. Yeah, best case scenario, yeah. it's zero yeah. sum. I don't see it helping. Yeah. I don't see any explanation where it helps. I don't know how you look at someone and say, hey. Everybody else was closing because of health and safety, but we didn't. Don't you want to send your kid here? I, that's going to, that to me, I would be like, no. Like you said, Patrick, I would be like, no, I don't want to do that. That sounds really dumb, actually. Uh, but, but we're, we're, but we're going to have college football. Do you, do you not agree? I mean, do you see any way that we don't, don't we, have college football? I don't think we should. I, I no, mean, no, no, I, I want it. I, I want it more than anything. It's like my favorite will. thing to watch. Like, there's more appointment appointment viewing for me in college football than anything. There's more watch random games that, in college football for me than any other sport. And so I want it more than anything. I don't know. There was the the Schefter, or uh, was it Ravel and um, uh, Clay Travis, which I don't know why I speak his name out loud. <sighs> Um, they had, they said they put the same questions on their Twitter. And I think, you know, Clay Travis just put the question and then Ravel thought, Hey, this is a good idea to see how our followers respond to the same poll question differently. And it was, do you think the media, do you think the sports journalists, you know, are rooting for the season to end, but want the season to end? And I was like, that's the most ridiculous. Like no one. These people's jobs depend on this happening. I mean, like, yeah. only the highest level of sports media is going to keep their jobs through this. Everybody down the line is going to have problems. And and no one's rooting for it. But also, people are rooting for, like, life. People are rooting for, like, don't put people in peril. Like, it's just, it's just a ridiculous approach to me. So for my official response from fake media, from I get on here and talk about my opinions, my opinion on this is they shouldn't put these kids who are not getting paid, who don't, who don't have a financial uh, windfall behind them, that they should not be forced to go out there and put themselves in danger. I don't care if they want to play. you got to save people from themselves in time. I think the VHSL just did it. NCAA needs to do it now, and they need to not have a college football season. Don't cancel it. Just say, we're pushing this off. We're going to hopefully get it in the spring. Let's talk again in November or January and see if things are going the way we hope to allow that to happen. But just, I, I, don't, I don't think they should. I don't think they should. That, what, what you said about journalists, that, that, that is the craziest thing I've ever heard. So, so I cover high school sports. And I thought the VHSL made the right decision. I, I really think they yes. made a smart decision now does that decision help me no oh <laughs> no because once they move to to, to you've got to go to school board meetings and then i'm like <laughs> okay do i still have a job i mean i have to seriously worry am i going to get laid off now because i have no sports to cover well luckily we have small enough staff staff that i get put on to education now and i get to cover cover schools and all, all of that for the next uh five months six months whatever it is but still, there there was concern that that, that a sports position would be cut. That doesn't mean I so I, so I obviously wasn't rooting for for the VHSL to start in December. But as a human being, I can say that was the smart decision. I mean, let's push it down. Let's wait. Let's see if things are better. Let's give everybody hope of having a season, and let's keep these high school kids 
safe. And so I, I think VHSL was very smart in what they did. Yes, and I, you hit the nail right on the head for me, Patrick. Leland and I gain nothing by the VHSL moving fall sports, especially football. I hate it. Back. We gain nothing. In fact, we it. run the risk of, you know, if times get really tough over at the radio station, and I don't, I don't know this, but if times were to get tough and something were to happen where the radio station can't survive not having high school football, that would actually be a detriment to us. But, again, as you said, from a human being standpoint, I don't want Leland and I to go call a high school football game just so we can still call high school football games if it means a kid gets sick or a kid passes it on to his family members and they get sick and die from it. To me, as a human being, I think there's things more important than sports. And again, it kind of takes a pandemic for some people to realize that. And the people, as you said, Leland, on the other side of this that are like, oh, obviously, by them showing all this concern, they just don't want sports to happen. To me, you're missing the larger point here of there are human beings' lives at stake. This isn't about you. College athletes are not not Yeah, this isn't about your entertainment. This is about human beings and lives. That's what they said in the in the Pac-12 statement with the players Pac-12 statement. They said, we're not entertainers. We're student athletes. Like we're human. Like it just that's the that's the perfect thing. I mean, hey, Patrick, how how fun would that I mean, how would we like to go down to Galax? Remember that game we called and you were in the <laughs> press box? I mean, you were standing. Your, your face was on my shoulder that game. Like, how would that? Yeah. Work? I, no, I, I mean, you know, I'm. I'm going to miss, I don't know what I'm going to do on Friday nights. Uh, I've been covered football <laughs> so long on Friday nights this year. Um, and it, it's going to be miserable. But I, I don't know if I've had Friday nights off since I've had kids or multiple kids. So it'll be real interesting for me. It, it'll be a big change. At this time, I mean, what we've learned over the last five or six months is you just go with the change, right? You just, you deal with it and you move forward and, We'll we'll see what happens. Hopefully, come December, we've got high school basketball to 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 write about, and hopefully, come you know the first part of March, we've got high school football. But at, at this point, I, I don't know because there's so many people out there that refuse to wear masks and and refuse to to not go to large gatherings. That do I think that come December or January things are going to be much better? I don't know. I have my doubts. That's a great point, too. I mean, again, it. I saw this on Twitter uh, as well, and it said, it's sad that we have to put stuff like, if you want football in the fall, wear a mask. How about if, how about to save human lives, wear a mask? I mean, that's really all it yes. should take, but obviously we're not there as a society. If Alabama um, would just send out free masks for, you know, free Alabama masks, but you got to wear them, uh, that probably would help this whole situation. Yes. Every SEC school do that, we'd be in much better shape. Yeah, we it's going to take them losing football for them to realize it. But uh, so Patrick, your football team, they're going to they're going to have a different name. Yeah, they are. What are you rooting for for a name? Uh, well, uh, first they are my football team. I do cheer for them. I still, I still want to see Dan Snyder. Yeah, we all there, right. I mean, that's yeah, the story sure. came. The story came out. <laughs> Of, of all the, the terrible things that were happening in that, uh, and it just seems like it's been brushed under the rug, doesn't it? it that, that story the, came out and then it disappeared. 
because the pregame hype was too, well, too, too yeah large. speaking of journalists or lack thereof we talked about that when that happened too yeah yeah so so but anyway as far as the team name i was kind of kind of hoping for the washington red tails that's kind of what i was was pulling for but the more i look at it it doesn't seem like that's gonna happen um i don't know i I'm, I'm upset with the fact that I think this is another Dan Snyder ploy of changing the name to the Washington football team so he can sell merchandise because they're selling shirts. I saw shirts on <laughs> yes. the other day of that. And, I, and at first I told my wife, I was like, I need one of these. And I was like, you know what? No, I don't. I was like, that just lines Dan Snyder's pocket for a year. And then he changes the name again next summer. And what people go out and buy all new merchandise. So, I think this is just a ploy from maybe I'm cynical, but I think it's just a ploy from Dan Snyder to to have changed that. He knew he he could have had this in the works without letting it, you know, without telling anybody, without saying anything, change the name and have the new nickname ready to go. Instead, now he's going to hold a whole year with a, a new nickname where he can sell merchandise, and then he can do the whole thing over again next next summer. So I found this to be just a, a ploy to line dance in those pockets but i hope they do go with i guess red okay i i will say in terms of daniel snyder just doing it to line his pockets i also think the story coming out later that week had something to do with it as well um i don't think dan snyder's changing the name this year out of the goodness of his heart i i definitely don't buy that well i'm sorry what was that I said I don't think Dan Snyder's changing the name out of the goodness of his heart this year. I think it. Oh, I think no, definitely no, no, no. lining his pockets as well as he knew the story was coming out later that week. Yep. And that's why he announced it that there. week. Yeah. Well, I think yeah, I think it's a combination of all that. The, the story was coming out. I mean, FedEx put pressure on him. Obviously, the way you get to, he, to Dan Snyder's is money. Yeah. But um, but yeah, but but him him changing the name. Did did kind of push that story, as you said, and maybe it got too much hype. But I don't know. When you have that many women saying that they were uh, sexually harassed, it's still a pretty big story. And and somehow I don't see how it's gotten just forgotten so quickly. I but, hey, well, my theory on that. I, I'm just disgusted yeah. with everything with that team. I'm disgusted with everything about that. My my theory that on franchise. that would be that the three people implicated are already gone, and none of them implicated dan snyder in that now does that mean dan snyder is handling things well no when you have an hr department of one for a for an nfl franchise that is slightly problematic um i cannot believe that anyone with a sound business mind would would do that but that 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 i thought was the most damning part on dan snyder um but i want to I want to change gears here again and go to a, we're, we want to end this interview on a happier happy. topic. Uh, happy, happy, okay. Your friend, our friend, George Loss, tearing up the RCBL this year. <laughs> it's the most amazing story I have seen in, in a long time because when he, when George said he was going to play and I talked to him you know, a night or so after he had made the decision, he said, I have no expectations to play whatsoever. I'm 38 and I'm 20 years older than some of these guys in this league. 
I just don't have anything else to do this summer. I miss baseball. I, I didn't get a chance to say goodbye to playing the game the way I wanted to say goodbye. This is my chance to do that. And if that means sitting in the dugout most every game, fine, I'll do that. And I think he was – I think he, ex, he went in with those expectations of not playing, but he's a competitor. And so you knew in the back of his mind he wanted to play, right? He wanted to play and he wanted to show what he could do. And the, the fact that he went out this year and did five home runs and 22 RBIs and he hit 422 yeah. in, in 13 games is just amazing. To me, yes. it's amazing. He, he told me today, I, I, I wrote the story about him getting the person of the year, which nobody deserves person of the year more than George lost. But he told me that he one of the home runs he hit was off of a player that he coached for the Harrisonburg Turks. Just, just great that he coached awesome. this kid and that he hits a home run off of him. Um, no, nah, it's just a, it's a, a truly amazing story. And anybody that knows George, you cannot dislike the guy, right? I, I mean, you yeah. cannot just. In fact, uh, Jared Hatcher one time told me he said, he said, "There's got to be something in in George's background because nobody's that nice. It's like nobody is that nice." And I was like, I don't know, I. I, I would tend to agree. I'm a cynic that nobody's that nice, but George, I don't know. I think George may be just that nice of a person. I was going to him to have that success is just great. I was going to say when he hit that home run off his former pitcher that he had coached with the Harrisonburg Turks out of the kindness of his heart, did he, while he was rounding the bases, tell him what he did <laughs> wrong mechanically and how to strike him out the next time. Because, Tip the pitch. Tipped it. Yeah, because I could see George Loss just wanting him to do better in the future because he's a yes. former no, pitcher that, that he's coached. That, that would be George. The next guy yeah, likes – the next guy can't hit a curve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, but, 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 uh, O2 count, you gave me something to hit. What were person, you thinking? <laughs> person of the year. That's, that's an award I'll never get in anything. I'll never get person of the year, I'm sure. So. I mean, I, I just went through my head. We can give you person of the year on the podcast, but I don't, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know. If we can't After I didn't have the Buffalo Gap numbers. Yeah. I, 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 top <laughs> headline story. And you don't even, you don't even know what we need, but all right. Yeah, so we always ask you what's your binge and what's the latest on the bench. Uh, well, I'm doing last chance you now because it just came that out. New season's pretty good. It, it actually got me going. I like this coach. I do too. I mean, I, yeah. I could not stand the coaches the first the two coaches in the first four seasons, right? I, I, I thought they were horrible people. <laughs> they, just, they seemed to, they were all about themselves and the program winning, but they didn't care about the kids. I didn't, I didn't get the feeling they cared about it. We all know how documentaries work. I mean, these guys are in there. They film, they, yeah. it, it, they show you what they want to show you. It's They're edited. telling their story. Yep. They are. So, so, you know, you can't ever believe anything a hundred percent, but those two coaches did not look like good people. This coach, John Bean, looks like a great guy. I mean, everything that's been said about him, what we've seen, his interactions with players, he seems like he's a really good person. I love the fact that it's a college that's not your typical college. It's a totally a commuter college. I mean, these kids are working jobs and then coming, driving, you know, 20 and 30 and 40 miles to get to school and to play football. I mean, to me, that just shows the passion that they have for that game um, because – it's just, I just love it. I, I And the fact that we're getting to see some of inner Oakland too, I, I think it's just a really, I'm enjoying this season a lot. It's kind of sad that it's the last football season for last chance. You right? They're going to basketball or whatever the uh, the next season. Man, but, um, 
it's it's a good season. It's it's a good season so far. I'm not I'm not finished with it. I'm probably halfway through, but uh, I'm enjoying it. Awesome. All right, man. Well, thanks for coming on with us. We'll get you back on here soon. Uh, we won't have high school sports soon enough, but we'll we'll draw you back in. And uh, thanks again. You, you uh, owe me a discussion about Bojack at some point. So so have me back. Oh, oh Leland, you blew it. Hey, Bojack. <laughs> let's 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 have it, man. We've we've already been doing this for forty minutes. Might as well keep it going. <laughs> no, I mean, well, I'm just saying. You know, we I I, um, I finally watched that. That was the show I binged right before Last Chance You. Um, and, and I just absolutely, I'm, I'm watching it again too. Uh, yep. I'm binging last chance you, and I'm in the season. I think I'm about to start season three again of, of Bojack. So mm. <laughs> it is the most, it, it's the greatest animated show I've ever seen. Yes. And really one of the best shows I've ever seen. It's just so well done. The characters are so well developed. It deals with so many really deep yes. subjects. Yes. <laughs> it's just it's so good. It is so, so good. I, I try to get my wife in into it, and she's just like, it's about a horse. She's like, no. <laughs> I'm the like, episode, no. It's so much better than just about a horse. The episode I tried with my wife, and I never was going to try to to watch the whole thing. Cause it's, just, it's not her vibe. I, I get that. But I, I felt like she judged me every time I talked about BoJack or made a BoJack <laughs> reference and t- just for myself so I could laugh. Um I showed her the one where they go back where princess Carolyn is trying to adopt a baby and she goes back to her hometown and it basically makes fun of the South the whole time, but then actually shows the South is worth something. Um, yes. I, I thought that would hit like enough familiar tones from us living in the South. Um, and so she at least respected it more after she watched that and she understood. She did say there's a lot going on at one time. I was like, yeah, they're, they're, they're sometimes making three jokes at one time. Yes. I, I, I get that. Like one's visual and then there's a double layer joke going on <laughs> with the talking. Yeah, it's tough. But um, yeah, it's so good. I, and that's what I like about it. It's it to really you can really get a lot out of it. If you really sit there and watch it, you're not distracted on your phone. You just sit there and watch it. You can get so much out of it. I I I love it. I so really you didn't it. show you didn't choose to show her the episode where he uh, goes on a, a drug binge with uh, his yeah. uh, former child. Coach. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's not, that's probably a smart term. Yeah. No, or the I, one where he's underwater and there's no talking for the entire episode. Actually, yeah, that is such that a one great episode. Epi- it's a great super episode. episode. Yes. But you've got to know so, Bojack to watch that episode. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. No, no that, that is such a good episode. I, and there's so many. And, and the thing is, the other thing I would say to people is that when you start, I'd say the first five or six episodes or so really it's just kind of laying the groundwork for yeah. the show it, it's family guy it doesn't really episodes. get yeah i mean it's not it's funny it, it 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 worked for me it kept me engaged but i can see how people could check out after those episodes because you really don't get into the heart the, the hard-hitting stuff until late in season one but really season two and yeah. then on is when it really does get deep and dark and it's so so well written and i mean the characters are just great i just i I don't know i just love everything everything about it there's some moments of that show too that really stand out for me like they they build them up right and uh when he was like going back to his old girlfriend and he's just dry like all of a sudden he just like checks out of la and he's just driving to new mexico and it's just like the song they played the the visual of it all and it was and it was such a turn like I, they build those 
moments up at the cabin uh his mom's uh his family's cabin and stuff there was like a moment there where they just they had built all this up with the neighbor and all this and then all of a sudden you just like they just put it together perfectly where like everything comes together at one time they have the perfect music and it's just uh, yeah it's 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 a super show the um the, the episode to me that um is so wonderful is the the episode where they're where bojack and um and sarah and sarah lynn and um and todd are on this uh, doing all these drugs trying to write his book right? <laughs> they're trying to write the book in a, in a week or whatever yeah and so yep. and the, the 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 way that that is depicted the, the highs that they go through and the trip that they're on is so wonderful it's a great animation and and the part where they go back to Bojack envisioning that he, um, that he somehow married Charlotte, right? And they moved to Maine and they had a yeah. baby. Yeah. And he's got the baby in there, Harper. And I'm like, wow, this, this is so, this is beautiful storytelling. Yeah. That you really, but you're right. You can't be on your phone. It's not one of those shows where you can be doing two or three different things. You have to pay attention. You have to watch that so closely. But I still think about that episode, you know, and um, and I think about the ending, the very final scene of that show. That's that is that was so wonderfully done as well with him and Diane sitting on the roof. I just I don't know. It's it really when I first started, I was like, I've heard of this. I've heard I heard I've heard you talk about it. I've Joe got me talk on about it. it. Yeah, I, I just was like, I need to to watch this show just to see what it's about. I didn't realize by the time it ended, I would miss it so much. When that last show yeah. aired, I was like, man, it was just an empty feeling almost. I was like, I don't think I'm going to be able to, to replace. Fill it up show. again. <laughs> yeah, no, that, that, so. that's a great point uh, because I felt the same way when it ended. It was just like, uh, all right, well, now what? Um, because <laughs> it is such a good show. And like Leland said, the visual jokes, the the name jokes, the puns, the the, the jokes being jokes, the run on jokes throughout. Yeah, and then the actual jokes being said in that episode, that line. There's so many yeah. different layers. Um, it's th- I think that's it's smart humor, and that's what I like about it. And it also, as you said, Patrick, it touches on some pretty big societal issues as well, and They're are relatable. Like it's yes. not. Uh, I thought they, they take the movie star issue that, he, you know, he's a movie star, but they, they tie it to real world. Everybody can touch or everybody can understand an aspect of it. I mean, yeah, we all might not have abusive parents, but like you have a relation inside that, that storyline. I was going to say oh, no, Mr. peanut butter. He, to me, everybody knows somebody like Mr. Peanut butter, right? Yes. It's always happy. That always crossover. Wants every, that everybody wants, he wants everybody around him to be happy. He wants to be happy. That's that's it. And in the end, that just drives him crazy. <laughs> because you can't be, you, you, oh, except for George Loss, you can't be that happy all the time. You, can't, <laughs> you cannot be that happy all the time. And I, I think we see that slowly kind of eat away at him. And, and undo, you know, look at all the relationships he's been through because of that. Um, and, and I came into that show. I'm a huge comedy bang bang fan. The podcast. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that podcast at all. Um, it's not as good as Yak Sports, but it's, yeah, it's only podcast. one podcast Obviously. in my life. P.F. <laughs> Tompkins, the voice of Mr. Peanut yeah. is on yep. that show a lot, and so that's where I've obviously I know him from. 
And so the first time I watched that show and I heard his voice, I was like, oh, wow. I didn't even realize he was in the show. And, and I think Mr. Peanut Butter is, is an amazing character too because of that, yeah. because of, of everything he brings. It's just every, I don't know. I could just go on forever how great that show is. I was going to say that we tried to the moments <laughs> yeah. since you guys gave your favorite moments, the moments that I thought were the ones that I thought they did really well were the ones with Herb uh, right before Herb dies, where Bojack yeah. is like feeling that regret and yeah. having to deal with that. And then Herb says, I don't forgive you. And then Herb dies and Bojack has to live with it. I was like, God, I cannot imagine that that is so dark and then you just watch it play out and it like haunts him the rest of the series but they also like have jokes around it too and you're like oh my gosh and the other one then is and this one just made me bust out laughing when todd is working on his rock <laughs> opera and bojack gets tired of him and worries that he's going to become a success and like move out so he hires like the actresses Margot Martindale. Yes, Margot Martindale, Martindale to yes. to point out the video game that yes. gets Todd so to play. Layered. But yeah. then I love the name of the video game, and then it's just Tetris. Like that's what it is. <laughs> and and he just gets lost in Tetris and doesn't do what he's supposed to do for this rock opera, and it's a flop. And it, you're just like, wow, this is so hilarious. But it's I so great the how they on. tie that to great, They tie that together later where he kind of realizes that he was set up, right? At yeah. the time, he doesn't yes. realize that. And then yep. it's after the bank robbery or whatever, <laughs> he kind of starts to tie all that together. Yeah. And, and for the record, Marco Margot Martindale, Martindale <laughs> had just finished watching The Americans before Which I started. Awesome. Uh, yep. And she was in that. And so when I came on, when I started watching uh, BoJack and she was on there, I was like, well, this is just so great. <laughs> She's on here too. So I love how you just... I love how they just use Margot Martindale for every yeah. bad thing Bojack needs somebody else to do. He just hires Margot Martindale. Her and Will Arnett are tight, uh, but she was great on uh, The American. She was great on Justified. Mm -hmm. She was great on uh, Mrs. America, which was a recent series that, that you should watch, Patrick. You would like it. Okay. Um, uh, she's great in everything. And, that, and yeah, I just love how she kept popping up. I figured <laughs> Patrick would like the, uh, the fledgling, you know, um, uh, company, the Penguin publishing Patton Oswalt's character, the penguin, and, and it's just like, they're just struggling journalist, you know, struggling writer situation. I thought, I thought that would, you know, yes. hit close to that home, was, Patrick. That, that was pretty depressing. Cause, <laughs> cause, cause, you know, you'd see themselves warming, uh, warming themselves up over uh, a, a trash can uh, on fire. And, and I was just like, yeah, that's publishing pretty much. That sums up the world of publishing these days. Um, no, no, that's, uh, no, I, I like I said, I'm, I'm rewatching it now, and, and I'll probably rewatch it again after that because, first of all, I, I find that I've missed I missed so many things the first time through. The, the second time, I'm catching a lot of stuff that I missed the first time. So, I think I've watched That's, all but the last season. I watched at least twice. Like I, I would, I, I went back and watched as you know as I was waiting for the next season. So, yeah, and the last season, good. the last season is so great because very seldom, so many shows. The last season, things drop off. But honestly, I think maybe the last two episodes are two of the best episodes ever to, to air. Uh, and, and they had some great episodes. But those last two episodes. Are, and they didn't just give you everything television. you wanted. Yeah, they they, no, they, they made you mad. And I mean, that's like, it was like Herb, you know, like, I don't forgive you. And yeah, I'm not giving you this perfect ending. So, yeah. so there we go. I'm sorry. We, 
people are not going to want to hear from me. You can go months without having me back on the show if you want, because people have had their fill of me uh, for the last, what, <laughs> how long have we been doing this? An hour? Um, Almost 45 I'm, minutes. I'm, okay, well. I'm sure... Uh, Hopefully I'm sure our podcast. Down. I'm sure our podcast isn't going to be what drives them away. I'm sure you'll have some articles soon enough. <laughs> yeah, I drive people away on my own. <laughs> I don't need any help. I don't need any help for that. So, I'm, you know, I'm Bojack. I'm Bojack. There, I can push people away as good as anybody. Right? I mean, <laughs> anybody tries to get close to me, I'm going to push you away. So, well, we look forward to when we do have you on again, even if it is after you've alienated portion of the accounting. <laughs> we look forward to it, and. Uh, we will have you on and maybe we'll talk more Bojack then we'll, we'll talk about the jokes that you uh, missed the first time or two through. So sounds good. Hey guys, thank you very much. Thank you. D block time here on the Yak sports podcast. Thanks again for Patrick Height coming on. We, we talked a long time with him for the listeners at home. We talked a lot to him a long time off, uh, off the recording too. So, uh, Always good to have Patrick on. We hadn't had him on in a while. Um, we miss we miss the high school sports to draw him in all the time. So, uh, but it was good to talk to him. And thanks again for him coming on. But what is dominating my life? It has been customer service this week. I have, uh, you know, between being a homeowner, a car owner, a kids haver, you you have a lot of stuff um, that you have to to buy to maintain. Uh, all these lives and make sure everybody's living the way they need to live and things break, things don't go right. And uh, sometimes you got to call people up about their warranties and you got to call people up about uh, the service that you've been given for other things. And I, I find customer service the most frustrating thing. I think direct TV is terrible. I think when I had Comcast, it was terrible. Verizon wireless is terrible. And now you know, I've had so many battles, Sears, uh, back in the day, I, I guess a lot of people had problems with them and that's why they're having the problems they are. I had a, a monumental story from back in the day where people were crazy, but right now I'm fighting Costco and, um, I just don't get customer service used to, I guess a warranty used to mean something. I know go back to Callahan auto from Tommy boy and you know, the warranty on the box and it makes you feel good. But like, when you have a warranty for four years and the thing breaks after 11 months, it just seems obvious that this should get resolved really quickly. And when Samsung wants to tell me, no, you have to go through this process and you have to cut the cord and take a picture and this and that, it's just craziness. We just want an oven. All we want is an oven that works. And apparently we have to go through a six-week process where at the end of it, they might just tell you, well, you're out of luck. That doesn't seem like a warranty to me. So... Um, I'm Costco is where I bought it. And that's where the warranty call started. It got to Samsung and that was unsuccessful. So now I'm back to Costco better make this thing right. And I've offered, I think it's ridiculous that I would have to do this, but I offered, I said, I'll take this oven out of my house. I'll come to Harrisonburg with it and we'll trade ovens. I'm fine with that kind of concept. You know, you have a four year warranty for me to have a working oven. You refuse to send someone to my house to fix the thing because apparently they don't know any of the local agencies around here that will do that. They're looking past Richmond for someone to come. And their response is, man, eh, just, just pay them for the oven. And I don't want to go. That's not good enough for me. We got to get this thing resolved. I'm not going six weeks without an oven. So this will be the new run on, you know, Joe chose a Billy Joel countdown. I will choose a countdown to me getting a new oven. I'm and excited. there better be a resolution by the next recording. 
<laughs> we better be cooking some bread in this house. Well, and when I was... say we, I mean the lady that knows how to cook bread and I know how to eat it. But I mean, there better be like a plan for a resolution or or a new oven in the house. I mean, we better be moving there because it's already been a week. This process is gone. I spent an hour and 40 minutes on the phone last Tuesday. We spent some of our precious Sunday evening time yesterday. Uh, we were recording on Monday dealing with this and it's still not not really any further than it was. So I'm getting very frustrated with Costco and their customer service. And I hope to just be seeing the praises of Costco and how well they responded to this by the next time we talk, because so far I have not been impressed with them or Samsung when it comes to this appliance. That's interesting. Um, yeah. I mean, I was obviously hoping for another four part breakdown, like my Billy Joel countdown, I hope but not. yeah, I hope this is a two parter, I guess. For your family sanity, yes. I hope it's a two-parter as well. Uh, and good luck in your quest. Um, what's been dominating your life, buddy? Yeah, what's been dominating my life is uh, this thing called a virtual challenge. Uh, I finally got sucked in by one of these Facebook is ads. Is this like Double Dare? No. I got sucked <laughs> in by one of these Facebook ads. Um, uh, I've got a, an indoor bike. I've had it for a while, and I've used it sparingly. And, you know, with the pandemic, I kind of got away from it because what I really, when I really did my most riding was watching college basketball. And with those sports, it's hard to do that, and I focus on how much I don't like riding the bike, and that doesn't help anyone. So now that sports are back, I started again, and I got sucked into one of these ads. Basically, long, uh, it's already long story long, um, but... The, these ads feature this company. If you pay them like 30 bucks for a quote unquote entry, they take all these things that have these distances. For example, the English channel is 21 miles long. So when you ride your bike 21 miles and you complete it, they'll send you a medal that says you have biked the distance of the English channel or whatever. I was like, that's kind of cool. And they've got all these things, uh, Hadrian's wall in England, which is, uh, what separated the Roman empire from Scotland. um, and uh, Route 66, the length of Route 66 is one. But the one I did right now was free for the first 30 days, and it's where you create your own. And I did. I said, hey, I've lived in the Shenandoah Valley my whole life. Let's do the length of the Shenandoah Valley. So I went from Harper's Ferry, West Virginia, down to, I, I, and I'll get Leland's opinion, I feel like the southern tip of the Shenandoah Valley would be about Natural Bridge, yes? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, right. Somewhere, somewhere in that range, yeah. That's fair. I mean, Lexington Natural Bridge, yeah, somewhere in there. Beyond, beyond Lexington, so Natural Bridge, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I went there. It's a total of 167.7 miles so far. Um, and again, I started on Friday. Friday. I took Sunday off. Um, but I started Friday, and I did tonight before we recorded. So after tonight, I have now passed Berryville. Uh, I am closing in on my hometown of Winchester. I'm 13% of the way through my goal, 21.4 miles. So I would have already gotten my English Channel medal had I paid for that one. Um, but, yeah, so I am well on my way, and I will update you as I bike down the Shenandoah Valley uh, from the safety of my apartment. See, there needs to be like virtual stops, and we need to know where you got. Like, well, your, your I just food virtually and... stopped at the Seven Eleven. There, I am literally. This is another cool thing. You can Google Street View where you would be, and I turned around and I saw the Seven Eleven that I actually stopped by when I would cover games in <laughs> Loudoun County uh, quite often there in Berryville. I was like, ah, oh, I know that Seven Eleven. It'll go down the roads too, so it, it'll be. It's not like as the crow flies. 
It's uh, it'll go down roads and follow roads. That's Except awesome. for the English All Channel, right. I guess that one would have to be as the crow flies. I don't think there's so any you, roads. You close us up on what you know that uh, we need to know because you have a you have a good one, and uh, I'm gonna leave mine alone. And you uh, your, yours means more than mine, and let, let's roll with that. Okay. Well, before I do that, I want to get into the just thing that's gonna annoy Jeff a little bit because I mean Jeff's already really happy with how this. It's not episode. just Jeff. Okay, it'll make Lila mad too, but Rob will love it. Liverpool wins the Premier League. That happened like two or three weeks ago, and I've just been so angry about other things I keep forgetting about it. But, wow, what a great title they won. Uh, First title in 30 years of English top flight for Liverpool, and uh, it was really cool to see the celebration, and uh, I'll leave it at that. Awesome. Happy for you. Great. I'm glad you're happy. Um. Yeah, this one, what I need to know that you need to know, I sent a message to Leland, uh, gosh, I guess this was Monday or Tuesday of last week. It was right after we were done recording. It must have been Tuesday because we had already recorded. Um, that the Baltimore Orioles were putting a young man by the name of Mo Gabba into the Orioles Hall of Fame, uh, the second recipient of the Wild Bill Hagee Award. Of course, the first recipient being Wild Bill Hagee. Um basically as a fan inducted into the Orioles Hall of Fame. What made that moment special, uh, and I shared it on Twitter and said in a moment where good news is hard to come by, this kind of hits the spot, uh, is Mo Gabba basically from birth. Uh, I think he wasn't even a year old yet when he had been diagnosed with cancer and the cancer spread to his eyes and they had to remove them. He's been blind pretty much his entire life. And, Within a few hours of him finding out that he was being inducted into the Orioles Hall of Fame, his mother's reading him a message, and you can hear him getting a little bit choked up about it. His family's getting choked up about it. Um, his family releases a statement that he had passed away. And so even that good news that's hard to come by, I then sent that message to Leland saying, well, good news is now sad news because 2020. Um, it was sad. It's hard. Um, I think you're hard pressed to find anybody in this, in this country that hasn't been affected by cancer in some way. Um, I've lost my grandfather to cancer. Uh, when I was in college, I see this 14 year old and you see the Orioles and the Baltimore Ravens and, uh, Mo Gab has been inducted this week. Uh, he also found out before he passed away uh, on Monday that he had been induct- he's going to be inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame as well because he is the first person to ever read a draft pick uh, in Braille uh, when he did that, uh, yeah. the last NFL draft, reading the Baltimore Ravens pick in Braille. Um, but you see all these videos of the Orioles and Ravens and him spending time at those facilities with those teams and players and his general love for the Orioles and the Baltimore Ravens and I get on this podcast I get negative a lot um again I tell Leland a lot it's realism and a lot of the times I feel it's realism not negativity but I I could not do and have the positivity that he does and he did and to see him and just see those videos the Orioles home opener uh they had a they had a pregame ceremony as they do every opening day and it was a little different, obviously, without fans. They didn't do the, they didn't roll out the orange carpet. They didn't have players come down and all of that. But they did do a tribute to Mo Gabba uh, 
before before opening day. And with MLB TV uh, being the option I have to watch the Orioles, I, I wasn't able to watch that. But the Orioles put it on social media, and I was able to find it on social media and watch it. And um, it was hard. It was hard to watch. Um, I'm glad the Orioles did it. It was a very touching gesture. I'm sure his family appreciates it tremendously. Um, but it was hard to watch. And I, I told my brother, I mean, because he watched it too. Uh, we both watched it very early in the first inning of the game. And, you know, with with tears and being choked up, talking to my brother about it, I was like, well, now I got to sit down and try to watch this baseball game and pretend like this actually matters. Um, I just, you know, that's what I know that you need to know. And I love that the Baltimore Orioles and Baltimore Ravens and the NFL have done this yeah. very nice gesture for Mo Gabba and and a lot of callouts around the league. Yeah, the team. I mean, I mean, it, this isn't this wasn't. I mean, it was he was a Baltimore guy, and that's why he's being recognized by those teams. But uh, you know, he's a big fan of of the sports, um, despite you know every every reason not to be. And so it was a great a great story for a while, and um, you know. He passed, which is terrible. Um, but you know, I think a lot of people are left with some positive memories there, and 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 showing showing you can persevere through a lot of things and a lot of the, the negativity, the problems that we complain about. Um, maybe not today's episode. We complained about some real stuff, but a lot of times we're on here complaining about stuff that just doesn't matter. Um, it's just a reminder of that. And uh, sports is a great way to escape and and worry about stuff that doesn't matter. But it's also nice when they recognize the things that do matter, and that's that's what happened last week. Well, on that bright and sunny note, we will <laughs> uh, close out this episode of Yak Sports Podcast. I know it was a long one, um, but I didn't feel like anything should be cut. I felt like we touched on some pretty serious topics, and I just didn't see what could in good conscience be cut out. So I will ask uh, that you please follow us on Twitter at Yak Sports Pod. On Facebook, Yak Sports Pod, or you can email us yaksportspod at gmail.com. You can subscribe on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. And so you won't miss another episode. I promise they aren't all as serious as this one was. Um, we've had a lot of serious episodes during the pandemic, but now that sports are back, they all won't be this serious. Um, in fact, it was just some stuff that it kind of, and I will apologize to Leland now, he was the victim of a lot of private messages throughout this week and last week uh, leading up to this episode. It was just a lot that had been on my mind and a lot that has frankly uh, bothered me about. It's close to things, home, man. That makes a big things difference. Going on. I get it. Yeah. And so um, I felt that that was a topic that needed to be addressed this week. Uh, but again, next week we won't talk about this stuff. Hopefully we won't have a reason to. And unless it's good news, which would be great. Yeah. But <laughs> And you'll be hearing more about the Baltimore Orioles sweeping the Marlins and hopefully beating the team formerly for if, you, if that happens beating the uh, team formerly known as the Montreal Expos, uh, <laughs> beating them in D.C. That would be a great start to the uh, Orioles series uh, in their season, even though they're the 30th best team in Major League Baseball um, and in second place in their division. Who knew? But. Hopefully, we'll have more happy stories to share with you next week. And until then, for Leland McRae, I'm Joe Deck. We thank you for listening to the Exports Podcast. Until then, folks, have a good week. You've been listening to Yak Sports, your Augusta County sports podcast.